at the start of each year, you often get, with a lot of churches, you often get this big, like, visionary message. You ain't getting that from me today. <laughs> I apologise. Um, the message is still the same. Just keep trying to work out how you can love people better. That's the vision. We'll, we'll carry on with that, OK? Rather than dress it up in lots of new clothes, we're going to just keep saying the same thing. Um, I thought, though, the interesting thing is that at the start of a new year, we often get into a mindset, don't we, of thinking, do you know what, this is a chance to reset. This is a chance to reflect. It's a chance to make some changes. Um, and I think rather than today's talk being about challenging you to set goals or, um, or resolutions for the year ahead. Because let's be honest, we're two weeks in, most of you have probably sacked off your resolutions. Has anyone carried on with resolutions? Graham, he's doing well. Um, Mel's doing well. Um, the rest of us are just hanging our heads in shame because we had the best intentions, but maybe it was a little bit too difficult. Um, or, or, we've lost hope in, or we've lost hope in humanity altogether um, and we realise that there's no point in even trying. Or, <laughs> or, or maybe, maybe we're just being realistic and we've, and we've had too many years where we realise it doesn't always work the way we hope. But I suppose the interesting thing is there's something about our mindset at this time of year uh, when we start a new year and we look ahead and think, OK, well, what could I do or what could I change or what could I do differently in order to, um, I suppose, in essence, improve my life, improve the way uh, that it works. And rather than us talking about setting challenges or goals or resolutions, I want us to reflect a tiny bit differently um, this morning. And when I think about that whole drive within each of us sometimes that happens around this time, September's another time where we often get that kick, isn't it? But the process of setting goals and making changes usually stems from us feeling in some way as we look at our lives and reflect on what our reality is that maybe some things could be a bit better. We have this moment, don't we, where we might look at ourselves and go, maybe I could be a bit healthier, maybe... I could be more disciplined in the way that I'm doing things in life. Maybe I could focus better. Maybe that's the issue. Um, Or maybe you're just craving some form of development or growth or new experience to give you a change in what has become quite normal. Um, Those kind of feelings can sometimes be rooted in that sense that we're not doing as well as we could be doing. Or which is often uh, common now, or we're not doing as well as we perceive other people are doing. And it's funny, isn't it? We've lived with um, social media and that kind of stuff for years. So this whole conversation about comparison, we understand the dangers of comparing ourselves to others. We know that Instagram or, or whatever it might be is someone's highlight reel. We're aware of all of those things. But you know what? We might be aware of it. We might have educated ourselves to understand that that might not be completely reality. But you know what? It's still really hard at times to not look at those things and go, it feels like everyone else is winning. And I'm here barely managing to keep my head above water. That can be the reality. As much as we know that that we don't want to fall foul of the danger of comparison we can still end up feeling it somehow because as much as you know that the reality of someone's picture probably isn't the reality of the scenario and the situation, it still triggers something in each of us which goes, oh man, they've got it all together. 
Or look at the amazing time they're having. The sad reality is we know, don't we, in a freeze frame, and we get everyone, we say, smile, and everyone smiles. We don't know whether there's just been a massive family row, and it's a really awkward, toxic atmosphere in the room. We don't know that. Um, but we see the moment and we think, oh, wow, that's brilliant. Now, sometimes that is just capturing, the Han's got this phrase, our kids absolutely hate it. I just need to capture the moment. Um, so she's basically just got loads of bang average photos on, on her phone of just normal things that we're doing, which is great. And it will be great to look back on. Um, it, the problem is when you've got teenage, when you've got teenage daughters and you go, let's just capture the moment, their faces go the opposite of a smile and instantly into a... Oh. Kind of, this is ridiculous. Why are you doing that? We're just getting chips. Um, or something like that. You don't need to capture the moment. Um, so, um, but, but, but Han, Han wants the normal bit. That's what she's looking for. She wants the normal bit. Um, but, um, and they always go, please don't share it anywhere. Please don't share it anywhere. And Han goes, I won't, I won't, I won't. And then, funny enough, it often, it often... It often, later on, will just appear on something that they're not on, so they can't see it. Um, but it's interesting, isn't it, that, that, that temptation to fall into the trap of comparing ourselves or just wondering whether other people are finding things as difficult as we are. That's maybe more about what it is. It's not necessarily compare, comparing how great someone's life is in, in comparison to us. Sometimes it's maybe, am I the only one? who's finding this a little bit difficult. And I think what we've got to understand is most of the time, these kind of scenarios, these kind of feelings are based around a lot of assumptions. We're assuming that by looking at those pictures or but by hearing someone's story about what they got up to or what, that, what fun stuff they were doing, um, the assumption is that, that their life is great and it's going well and we forget about some of the challenges that maybe some people um, are going through. I've read a a really interesting book over uh, December and January called Honest Advent. It's by a guy called Scott Erickson who, if uh, if you're on Instagram, he sometimes pops up as uh, um, Scott the Painter. Uh, He's an artist um, and he does loads of really thought-provoking, quite um, innovative um, works of art. Um, but he's also a really good writer, a really good thinker. And he, this book basically is 25 readings that you can do. It's, they're, not, they're not kind of set to the days in December, but it fits that you could read one chapter a day. The chapters are only um, maybe three or four pages. Um, so they're really easy to digest. But for me, this has opened my eyes to the story of Advent like nothing else has. It's brought it down into the reality of what was going on in the time and what was going on in the life of, um, of Mary and Joseph and, and culture and society of the day. And I think next year I'm going to um, get a load of copies and if anyone wants to join me in reading that in the build-up to Christmas. Um, to me, it's really brought it into reality rather than just sometimes what feels like a fairy tale. Isn't it? The, the rawness of the, of the Christmas story and, and the journey of Advent. It's quite a powerful book. Um, But he's got a chapter on this very topic called Assumptions, and he talks about assumptions to do with the Christmas story. I'm going to read you a little bit of what he says. He said, it's assumed that Mary rode on a donkey, but the Bible didn't didn't say she did. It's assumed that there was an innkeeper, but it doesn't mention one anywhere. It's assumed that there were three magi, but it doesn't give a number of those who showed up. It's assumed there was a star overhead when Jesus was born, but it doesn't say that either. It's assumed that Jesus was born in a stable, 
But all it says is that he was laid in a manger. And that could have been um, any number of places. He says Christmas comes with many assumptions. Some helpful, some not so much. Spirituality also comes with many assumptions. And the ones that fail us are the ones we make about what it's supposed to look like. Who is, worth, who is worthy for it to happen to? And what kind of outcome is supposed, um, um, and what kind of outcome it's supposed to have for us? Assumptions like, you should be more than you are now to be pleasing to God. Your weaknesses are in the way of God's plan for your life. Your lack of religious fervour is a disqualifier for divine participation. You're probably not doing it right. Other spiritual people have something you don't. And that really got me thinking, because at this point of the year when we reflect, it made me wonder about where our heads are at spiritually with loads of stuff to do with God. Because I don't know about you, as I grow older and as I experience more of life, there's more things that happen that make me wonder, make me question, sometimes make me doubt. Um, about loads of stuff to do with why did that happen? Why did God allow that to happen? Or why is this going on? Why is that scenario happening for these people over here? And as we experience more of life, sometimes we come up with more things that make us question. Um, and as a result, what can happen is we can sometimes build a bit of a barrier up or a bit of a hardness up um, for us spiritually that sometimes puts some blockages in the way between us and God. And it's in effect, it's something that almost, um, I suppose, causes us to discount ourselves because of what we assume God might think of us. And some of that sometimes is due to our upbringing. We've maybe been um, taught and told that you need to hit a certain standard in order to be acceptable or accepted by God. Um, And sometimes you might look at yourself and just have these kind of thoughts. You may say, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe who I am isn't good enough um, for me to be accepted. Um, A big one is, if you knew what went through my head, then you know that God wouldn't be happy with it. If you knew the kind of questions or thoughts or, or stuff that went through my head, then I don't know whether God would be interested in that. When you talk to people who don't come to church... And people who are kind of spiritually interested and unaware, and you talk to them about the idea of pursuing a relationship with God, often these are the kind of things that people will say. I don't think I'm good enough for that. Or I don't think I'd be, oh, if you knew what had gone on in my life. Um, and my theory on all of this stuff to do with what the thoughts that go through your head is the reality is if any of our inner monologues were made audible, we'd all be screwed, <laughs> wouldn't we? Because if, anyone, if everyone knew what we really thought in that situation where that person's rubbed us up the wrong way, if it came out loud and we couldn't filter it, we would all be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> We'd probably all lose our jobs and all that. No. Um, but it, it, would be, it would be a challenge, wouldn't it? Um, and that's every single person on the planet, I think. We learn to filter, don't we, what we wonder and what we think and what we feel about certain situations. Maybe you sit there and go, I've got too many questions. I've got too many um, questions or wonderings about stuff that maybe God wouldn't accept me because um, these, these questions aren't okay to ask. 
Sometimes we fall into that trap. Maybe you sat there and go, well, I've just got too many doubts. I've got too many doubts about the way all this stuff works that I don't feel like everything's settled or sorted. Uh, It's not this complete picture. So because of that, I don't think I would be accepted or acceptable by God um, because there's too many things that I'm not sure about. Um, Maybe you look at it and go, well, I've been hurt and I don't want to trust again. I've been in these situations before where I've, I've trusted people or I've, I've um, allowed myself to go on this particular journey. But you know what? Um, it was too painful because I got judged. Maybe you sit there and go, I, had, I shared questions or I shared my doubts. And what came back was judgment or criticism or negativity. Or someone maybe even told you, you're not good enough if you do that. Or if you think that, or if you don't, if you're not sure enough about um, all of these things to do with God, you're not going to be, you're not going to be able to make it. And sometimes people have said those kind of things to other people. And there's damage and there is, there is a suffering that comes from that. And maybe you sit there and go, well, I'm not sure I want to be associated with this stuff. We talked uh, a while ago, I, I said sometimes, and I know this is difficult for some people to hear, but sometimes I've sat there and gone, I'm not, I don't know whether I always feel comfortable being labelled as a Christian because of some of the associations that comes with that. And sometimes my fear is I don't want people that I meet to, to just lump me into the same bracket as everyone else who's a Christian because maybe I don't agree with everything that other Christians say. And that... Those kind of things are, are sometimes barriers that we put in that go, oh, maybe I'm not as good as all of these other people. And maybe we look at it and simply say, well, my life is complex, so it's hard to fit this stuff in. So, I'm, so I haven't got the capacity to be what I think you expect a good, committed Christian to be. And a lot of this is that same thing. It's about comparison to the best version of what you've seen. That, oh, those people, they're such strong Christians. I'm never going to be that good because I don't read my Bible every single day. Or I don't pray every day. I haven't got those disciplines or uh, I'm not as, uh, I I can't afford to tithe. So I'm not, I'm never going to be as good as those people. We put these things in place sometimes and say, do you know what? Um, I I don't feel worthy because of um, these things that I feel. And it's these kind of things that can lead us to feeling that we're not worthy of God's attention and we're not worthy of God's love. And that's the reality sometimes for us. And I want to be real, as we always will be here, as we look at the demographic of people in this room, everyone's at a different stage of life going through different challenges. And I don't ever want to get to a point where we just assume that everyone's great, everyone's feeling great, that, that God's the best thing in your world and, and it's, this is what's sustaining you. You might be sat there going, I don't even know whether this is real at the minute. And do you know what? You will always be safe to think that here. You will always be fine to go through times where you feel like that. And I hope that what we'll present to you is a, is a, a way of pursuing God that allows you that flexibility to... Have those sways and those wonderings, those questions, those doubts, without feeling like you're letting God down or letting us down. And at the start of this year, I wanted to just start with a different message that said, you know what? 
we're all okay. We're all going to be okay. Yeah, there's, there's further we can go. There's better we can do. But actually, we're all okay. And, and I want to read you a little other snippet from here as he goes on to talk about this stuff. He's, he's talking about assumptions again. He says, our assumptions hinder our spiritual journey in all kinds of ways. And the antidote to assumption is surprise. The surprise of Christ's incarnation is that it happened in Mary's day as it is happening every day in your lack of resources, your overcrowded lodging, your unlit night sky, your humble surroundings. It's a surprise that life can come through barren places. It's a surprise that meek nobodies partake in divine plans. It's a surprise that messengers are sent all along the hidden journey of life to let you know you are not alone. It's a surprise that you will be given everything you need to accomplish what you've been asked to do. It's a surprise that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from love. Your assumptions believe there must be something that can. Big surprise, nothing can. And that's the truth today. That is the truth that I want us to cling on to. And in Romans 8, um, 38 uh, to 39, where is my Bible thing gone? Here it is. Um, It says this, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I think sometimes we can fall into the habit of deciding on God's behalf what are the things that are issues that will separate us from him. And the simple message for us today at the start of this year as we move forward together is, do you know what? We're going to wipe that slate clean today. Whatever is in your mind, whatever you're wondering about, whatever doubts or questions you have, whatever struggles you have to do with all of this stuff, maybe today is an opportunity for us to wipe the slate clean and start afresh with God going, it doesn't matter If you haven't got it all together, if you've not got all the answers, if you're not fully convinced of every single thing, I don't think God's got an issue with that. I think he's just interested in you and in connection with you. And some of those niggling doubts about yourself that may have crept in, it's time to clear them out. And there's nothing you can do or have done that can separate you from the love of God. That's the message that I want If you only remember one thing today, that's all I want you to remember. There's nothing that you can do or have done that can separate you from the love of God. He wants that connection in those simple ways. That's what he's after. And the thing is, I hope that what you've picked up from being part of the living room is is that your connection with God is not a transactional one. Okay, I grew up thinking that if I read the Bible every day, And if I prayed every day, if I served on teams at church, if I gave financially and if I attended church every single week, that God would love me more. That this transaction of I will give you this and then you will give me love back. That is not true 
And that's not the way it works. Now, the interesting thing is, when we're talking about connecting with God, if you can manage to do any of those things, or all of those things, or just some of them, even if it's not every day, you will grow. You will benefit. He doesn't benefit, as in he doesn't change his, he doesn't unlock this magic level of love because you've ticked, you've managed to do 365 days of reading the Bible. He doesn't go, wow, you're, you're on to level two now. Um, it's not a game. It's, this is just like you will grow because you are learning more about him. You're learning more about, you're learning more, learning more about people who are pursuing him. So you grow. Because your perspective and your, your, um, your eyes are being opened to more of him. And when we talk about this stuff, we're not saying, okay, so this year, commit to read your Bible every day. Commit to pray every day. Like, do, do that as much, as much as you can or feel able to. Don't beat yourself up about it if you don't do it all the time. But, but if you pursue God, you will grow in that connection with him. But it isn't a transaction. Okay. It isn't a transaction, but you will benefit from doing that. When we spend time with God, when we include him, and this is the main thing for me, include him in your day. That quick dialogue of an invitation or just an acknowledgement of God, um, please be with me in whatever I'm about to walk into. Your perspective changes, your perspective shifts because he will be more present with you because you've made yourself aware of it. And that's the best thing we can do. Whatever you're walking into, go into it with him alongside you. And you will find that there are times that this seems easier than it did before. Because your perspective has shifted and your awareness of him being alongside you makes a big difference. So it's about lifting our eyes above normal things. So simple message this morning. Let's start this year removing the barriers that maybe we've placed between us and him. Um, the doubts, the questions, the, the wonderings, the challenges, the suffering, whatever it might be that's going on. Remove those as excuses as to, oh, I'm not in a great place with God as I was. And allow this to be a clean slate and a fresh start. And say, do you know what, God, I know more than anything that there's nothing that I can do or have done that can separate me from the fact that you love me. And let's start from that position and go, okay, God, um, it's me and you. What can we do together this year? And that's not a pressure. That's not a kind of a tick box exercise or a goal setting thing where let's, let's measure it and see how much God's done in my life. Actually, it's just about every day gently including God and allowing him to influence um, who you are and the way you operate uh, with the people that you see. So... Let's uh, spend a moment uh, having a little think and, uh, and a pray. I don't know what is uh, the, the reality for you. I don't know what's going through your inner monologue at the minute. But this is an opportunity now just to settle and sit and allow God just to meet with you where you're at. Okay, so I'm just going to give us a minute or two just to... Um, just to be honest with him, I suppose. Just to say, God, look, like, pretense out the window. This is where I'm at. You know me. And do you know what? Wherever you're at, God is right there in the middle of it. He's not going, well, when you get to the point where you can pray every day, we'll start a dialogue. It's rubbish. 
So let's take a minute or two just to just to have a think, be honest, and just talk to him about where you're at. And um, the simple prayer is, God be with me. So let's take that moment. Father God, I thank you that as we always say, um, you will meet us wherever we're at. That we can truly come as we are. And God, when we feel tempted to put in standards or expectations that make us feel like we're failing or we're not doing enough or we're not good enough, God, I pray that you would give us sometimes a gentle reminder and sometimes a big nudge that says, no, that's not the way this works. God, I pray as we uh, move forward from today that we would just begin to simply invite you into our reality, into our world, into our sometimes chaos and sometimes peace, and sometimes just ordinary, uh, what can feel like mundane life. God, you're interested in it all. And I just pray that we would um, remember to start off with to invite you in and include you. And that, God, you begin to uh, work in us, but also through us in the different situations that we, um, that we have. And, God, I pray that we wouldn't set these, um, these kind of high expectations or standards of what a thriving relationship with God looks like. God, I pray that we'd be people who are real and honest um, and able to just... Um, keep including you and pursuing you in our everyday lives. So God, uh, help us to do that. Um, and I pray that we would begin to really see you um, like present with us um, and working um, in us and through us, God. So be close um, and help us with that um, as we try that this week. Amen.